I'm going to ask you one more time, said the representative from New York State, her, her voice straining to control the anger that she had. And she looked at this president of University of Pennsylvania and said, if a person calls for the genocide of the Jews, is that against your code of conduct? And the university president, as they all did from all of these elite universities, hemmed and hawed and finally said, well, it would depend on the circumstances. A week later, and lots of angry donors, and this president has resigned. And it uh, brings up so many things, uh, the sort of the bitter irony that we live in an era of cancel culture on elite universities, yet somehow somebody saying that there could be genocide for the Jews could be acceptable speech. Again, so much to ponder, but what it brought up for me is I listened to this woman who clearly is educated, reasoned, has worked hard her whole life, and as she talked about it, she said something that I found utterly ridiculous, uh, that, that again, you could call for the genocide of the Jews, and this wouldn't be construed as hate speech. I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. But, but what it did for me was realize that when this person spoke, that that it wasn't simply that we disagreed on what a code of conduct should look like or how the First Amendment plays itself out in our country, but that somehow there was, there was a different set of moral values, that this human really thinks about right and wrong differently than I do, that we don't have a common moral framework. And when I hear so many people speak in the public sphere, when they speak and I listen to them, and they talk about all sorts of issues. Issues around abortion or guns or, or bathroom for trans people. Whenever they, they speak on this, and I, and I listen so often, I, I walk away and I say, I, I don't think I share a common moral framework with that person. I, I don't think, again, we have their same sense of right and wrong. And this isn't simply something that affects us on some global level or national. This also impacts us here in our community. For a host of demographic changes, we now here find ourselves on a cultural fault line where local elections are often bitterly contested and the local school board meetings are often filled with, with outrage and outbursts as again, there seems to be this sense that, that even among our neighbors, I think we've all discovered this in the last few years, that in our family, in our church, in our workplace, down the road, in, in all sorts of ways, that the people we thought we had a lot in common were scratching our heads saying, I, I don't think we share the same moral understandings anymore of, of how this life works. This Advent, we've been thinking and pondering peace and the peace that Christ brings. And after looking at peace in our hearts and in our, in our families, I'd invite us today to think about peace in our communities. And again, there's a, a way in which we've, we all have differences and the media exacerbates those. And I've preached other times about how the media and social media sort of reward and, and push towards extremes and, and wanted to say, hey, look, there, there is a common ground. 
But, but just let's assume for a second we do live in a world in which we encounter other people who have profoundly different senses of what right and wrong are. How do we live in peaceful community? Again, how do we live in peaceful community with people with whom we profoundly disagree about right and wrong with? Well, one, perhaps, perhaps one strategy is to seek a political majority. Right? That, that if we can cobble together 50 or 51 percent, then the way that we think about the world can be pushed forward, even imposed upon others. And in some ways, this is what voting is all about. Any of us who, who pay taxes, we, we want that how those tax dollars are spent is going to be consistent with our values. And we don't want laws that run contrary to core beliefs. And we want people who run for office who, who have a sense of integrity, that, that what they believe and are passionate about is actually what they will end up doing. Mary, though, speaks as a prophet and warns us of a limit to this, this logic. Mary, today we hear these beautiful words that have resonated across the centuries. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Beautiful words of praise that then move into declaring how God is mighty, and God is the one who, who topples down people from their thrones and scatters the prouds in their thoughts. What's interesting, though, is that when Mary is, is singing the praises here, she does not say, I or we or other people are going eventually to rule. She says it very clearly. It is God. It is God who somehow reigns sovereign in this world. And that when we seek to accrue power for ourselves, that power would be a means by which we could secure our values or impose them on others. Well, then we, we end up, we end up in a long line, and history is full of these, of groups, religious groups, even Christian groups, that, that finally when they got power became like the proud that needed to have their hearts scattered. Again, Mary warns us, warns us against seeking to accrue power to seek to impose on others' hearts. Indeed, Jesus Christ himself, Mary is a prophet, and Jesus himself was killed brutally by those who had power. So if it's not about political dominion or domination, what then shall we do? Well, perhaps then another alternative is to just stay at home. Let the world be the world and worry about our own peace in our hearts and in our homes for that is elusive and difficult enough. This last Friday, I was able to come down to the sanctuary at the end of the week, and I was here praying, and I was struck by how beautiful the sanctuary is and how good it felt to be in a moment of silence. And then I laughed because on Advent 1, I had, I had said, hey, we're all going to need a moment of silence. But I, I laughed because really in the prior two weeks, I hadn't really had a moment for that silence that I had preached that we, we need. And 
it was just a reminder, again, as, as life moves so quickly, how, how elusive that, that sense of calm and that sense of peace is. And, and so I wanted to sit there with Mary's words that my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior and just dwell in them. But then again, we read on, and Mary is a prophet, and Mary unsettles us. Mary challenges us because Mary points to the fact that God has a heart for those who are downtrodden, that God has a heart for those who are on the margins, that God cares for those who are in need, for those that are hurting, that my following Jesus, that my seeking a world of peace cannot simply be where I worry only about me and Jesus. For there is my neighbor, there is a world, there are people that are hurting and desperately in need. So if it's not about political conquest, if it's not about a quietism, what is a way forward that we can live together in this diverse and complex world then? I'd like to offer that I believe the way forward is the way of the cross. It is the way of bold yet humble servanthood following Jesus Christ. This is the kind of way that Mary went where Mary was called far out of her comfort zone to bear Christ to the world. And actually, we have a great example this week. Any of you maybe of German heritage on December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, stick out shoes to be filled with candy, right? St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a bishop in what is today Turkey. His feast day is December the 6th. And there are many stories about his care for the poor. But, but one stood out this week in terms of Nicholas really following the way of the cross. And I, and I want to share that with you. And um, Nicholas, when he was bishop, found out that there were three men that were wrongly accused of a crime. And, and one of them was going to be killed, going to be killed with a sword. But Nicholas knew that it, it wasn't correct. Nicholas went to the place of the execution and actually stepped on the sword. And then he went over to the juror that had lied, that had been bribed, and reamed him out, publicly shaming him until he recanted and admitted that he had lied. You see, Nicholas stuck his literal neck out there for somebody who was in need. This is the way of the cross, and this is the way that we rebuild community. This is the way that we stitch back together the, the fragments of our fraying society by seeking those and helping those who are on the margins. For, for when we help people who are on the margins, we often discover that actually we have quite a bit in common with them. I'm thinking about the person who maybe makes a delivery for the food bank and in the process ends up giving food to one of their high school classmates only to discover that this person has hit a few bumps in the road and suddenly again they form and forge and find a, a common ground. Or I, I think about the times when we serve with other people, what happens. The last few years, like this year, we have something in Advent that is dedicated for refugees. This year it is collecting sheets. And we've done a variety of, of projects and work over the last few years for, for refugees. 
The humbling truth is that if I were to ask us to come to some sort of agreement about immigration and the southern border of our country, I don't think that we would all agree. I think there would be a lot of difference in what number of immigrants we should allow and what should our asylum policies be and so forth. But it turns out that when it comes to our neighbor in need here, our our neighbor in this community who really comes here with nothing except a will to work and a will to keep their children safe, suddenly we're able to find this common ground. We're able to stitch back again a broken community and help somebody else. Again, the way forward for us to live in peace as a community is to follow the way of the cross, the way of bold servanthood for the sake of those who are in need. But now you might ask, well, pastor, do we really then need Jesus? Why can't we just kind of move off all of the Jesus stuff, move to a post-Christian reality, and simply help other people, right? Can't we just get to the helping people? I want to offer here then from my own experience, which I I sense will resonate with yours. When I try to help people in my family, in my community, people that I worked with, it's often really hard. And, And sometimes, again, it's just a matter of a little bit of money to somebody kind of gets them where they need to be. But but really helping people isn't easy. Oftentimes, the the situations that people are in are are complex. They're they're fighting sprawling bureaucracies, or they've been wronged, or they've really messed up, or it's an unholy combination of both, or there's simply intergenerational pain and addiction and abuse in the family that just keeps playing itself out in other ways. And it's not so simple to help other people. And uh, we discover in those times that the world desperately needs justice. And moreover, that the world needs mercy and love because the, the love that we need is greater than the love that, that we, we have. And so when we seek to follow the cross, we eventually realize we, we need not just a command or a proposition, but we need the one who was, who is, and who is to come. We need our Savior. We need Jesus Christ meeting us on the cross where his one hand is, yes, there with justice, but his other is there with mercy for you and for me and for this world. For otherwise, otherwise, if we seek to help people and we do not return to the cross, then we just grow bitter. And then we end up succumbing to a game of politics and power or despair and isolation. But no, instead, we're invited by our Savior to go to him, not simply to hear what to do, but to receive strength so that we might, so that we might then, like Mary, be able to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, even if it's hard, even if it involves that prickly neighbor that I don't like, even if it involves sucking it up one more time. Here I am, Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And that in spite of any of those challenges and any of those divisions, finding a way with Mary and with so many other saints over the centuries to sing, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Amen.